0: Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Nate Luby, an outdoor adventure and commercial photographer based in Seattle, Washington. His photography, video, and time-lapse work is stunning, and he's worked with a broad range of brands, including Sony, where he's an ambassador as part of the Alpha Collective. Nate, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on the podcast with me today. Um, I have been a big fan of your work for quite a while. Um, I think i first I first saw your work in the Sony Images group on Facebook, um, just you know, probably two or three years ago, and. When I got, got started with this podcast and thinking about who I wanted to have on, you're one of the first, piece, first people that came to mind. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Well, th- I know that you just wrapped up a workshop as well, so uh, I'm guessing you are, you're, you're trying to catch up, I'm, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was an astrophotography workshop too, so that, that means it was even less sleep than your average <laughs> workshop.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> even if right. you're targeting astrophotography, you're still getting up for sunrise and sunset and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, you kind of really can't escape that stuff is what it comes down to.
1: Totally. And especially out here in the Cascades, everything's so beautiful. It'd be silly to sleep in even if you're tired.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now you are, where are you located currently? I live in Seattle. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. Um, I know that you have some, you, are you originally from Colorado?
1: I am. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I grew up in Colorado in a small mountain town outside of Denver.
0: Cool. I kind of, sometimes I get confused. I, you're posting stuff and you're talking about Seattle as home, but then I remember some stuff you've posted about Colorado and I kind of, I kind of mix and I, I'd never, I've never really solidified in my mind where you live. So that's
1: fair. I mean, that's probably partially my fault. Cause I'm not sure exactly how I identify either. Cause I, <laughs> I live in Seattle, but Colorado still feels like home. I'm a Colorado boy, you, you know, go. in my soul. Go. So
0: I like it. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself um, for for listeners who may not know who you are already.
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Nate Luby. I go by Nate in the wild around the internet. And I, uh, I just kind of fancy myself an outdoor photographer. I struggle a little bit to narrow myself down specifically to landscapes or travel, adventure, wildlife, what have you, because I just really, you know, I'm, I'm doing it because I want to be outside. I like nothing more than being somewhere beautiful during beautiful lighting. And, uh, if I can use my camera to pay the bills while that happens, then that's what I want to do. So I kind of just call myself an outdoor photographer.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and then, and you, like you said, based in Seattle Yes. Um, at this point. Um, so I, and I actually just, it literally came to my mind. I think I may have actually heard of you before all of that for a photo that is completely unrelated to outdoor landscape stuff. <laughs> I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here. You took a photo of Nate Snell, the owner of Pips Donuts. I did. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, I have done a bunch of work for Nate. Um, oh, in here cool. In Por- here in Portland, but um, sure. I did a I did a a commercial, kind of lifestyle, a day in the life of the of the donut shop, like three years ago, something like that. Oh, cool. They, they basically let me be behind the scenes for like half of a day, and. Uh, it was it was awesome. It was fantastic. And then I ended up getting free donuts for a long time after that because oh, the, that's the <laughs> they all the recognized stuff. me. <laughs> I'd come in and be all ready to pay, and they wouldn't let me. Oh, um, I love it. But I remember seeing there was one of the photos that he posted, and and I saw your name on there, and I, saw, I went and looked you up. So I think that might actually be the first time I ever came across.
1: Uh, yeah, one of my first like full assignments uh, when I quit my day job to become a photographer was with a, a travel guide called Dirt Road Travels, and oh yeah, we did a full. Um, tour, I should say, all the way from Seattle down to San Diego and hit basically every single town along the coast. And Portland was one of the stops for sure. And Pips was That's awesome. definitely a highlight.
0: Yeah. Well, they, they're kind of, uh, it's really been interesting how they've kind of weathered through the, you know, the COVID, uh, the new normal, I guess. You'd say. Yeah. They uh, started selling their chai bottled and uh, brilliant, but just like you had to, you had to order pre-order and then pop in and pick it up. So it's been fun kind of staying in touch. And he handed off a couple bottles and said, here, go take some pictures of these for us to, for marketing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a I, great trade. I, I traded. Yeah. I traded for <laughs> for a few bottles. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's completely unrelated, but I just, that popped into my head. So I would love to know, um, a little bit, I, I know this is a, can be a little cliche as we kind of talked about before we even started recording, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you got started in photography Um, and you can keep it as, as, as high level view as you want, or you can tell us some fun, interesting fact about yourself that we didn't know. It's up to you. Um,
1: Yeah. I guess I'll keep this one high level. I'm sure we'll get into something a little bit deeper as we go, but it it really was just as simple as I, you know, I grew up in the mountains. Uh, My dad's an Eagle Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. Uh, My mom's an avid outdoors woman as well. So it was just always hiking, camping adventuring outside it was like the thing we did not even every weekend but like my parents would come home from work and they'd want to go walk around the block and so we'd grab the dog and go to the top of the mountain and come back down to get a little exercise and so I just I lived that life and always have and um yeah when I went off to college I found myself you know like Locked in my room, like a dungeon for twelve hours studying, right. and you know the classic college lifestyle you eat, oh, yeah, four hundred pizza rolls over the course of a week, and that's the only food you've had and so I was like, oh man, I gotta get back outside and uh you know, as cameras uh camera phones started getting a little better, uh-huh. I realized these adventures were even more enjoyable when I found a way to document them a little bit, and as the cameras got better, my photos got better, and I got just kind of addicted to that and uh oh, that was that was all that it took, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I found an enjoyment sense. in trying to take better photos, and I guess that's how we all end up here, right right right
0: no that's i think i have my my beginnings of photography are- i'm very similar i I grew up shooting film, but then I kind of abandoned photography for a few years, and then I got my hands on the iphone four and mm. I was um, I was bike commuting at the time. And so I was day and I was at the ends of the day in, in sunrise, sunset, I started taking pictures and then I remembered, I was like, Oh yeah, I used to have a real camera. So I went out and bought a real camera and that was what got me into it. it was
1: uh, do it. As soon yeah, as you see yeah. that bokeh, you're, you're set. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. I think yep. it was one of those where I, I picked it up. It was, it was a Sony Nex 5n. So like one of the first, uh, yeah. one of the first mount cameras and i bought it with the kit lens and then i promptly went out and bought a 50 and i was hooked i was hooked so (laughs) yeah that's kind of how i got into it nice Um, that'll
1: happen i remember when i was shooting with my phone cameras i don't know an iphone maybe four or five also and my girlfriend had like a nikon 3200 or whatever it was at the time not not a nice camera but in my mind i was like she has a professional camera (laughs) And she uh, she wouldn't let me touch it. She was like so protective of it that she wouldn't let me touch it. And I was like, fine. So I went out and bought myself a little Olympus. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the uh, the Nikon those those thirty two hundred. That's like the Costco special.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Right. But it, you know it it looks it's like the Rebel T five or T three I. It looks like a DSLR. I mean, it oh, is yeah. a DSLR, but it, if you if you don't know anything about them, you're like, that is. A one DX Mark III, it like looks <laughs> it looks so amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I love it. What's um? Did you ever have you spent much time shooting like a traditional DSLR, or, or
1: did you uh, like jump right into?
0: Well, no, like um, like that, like that Nikon.
1: I didn't actually. So when I went out to get my first like real camera, I uh, I'm I'm an obsessive researcher, I should suppose I should say <laughs> uh, this sure. is my second time that i've turned a hobby into a career and i'm only in my like early 30s so i have a really bad habit of getting obsessed with something and reading way too much over the course of like a year so i uh when i was gonna buy myself a real camera i ended up going with olympus i bought the omd em5 Mm -hmm. because i I wanted to do the reading before i spent a thousand dollars on something and i found out that that you know the mirrorless was smaller it was lighter and i loved the way the technology was progressing and so that was like very much before mirrorless was actually a thing in the camera industry. And I, I feel kind of cool that I discovered it before I even knew what cameras actually were <laughs> Early to be adopter. For. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> That's I mean, nice. really Probably a lucky guess, but it was awesome. It was a good start because it was compact, uh, weighed very little, and it had a lot of the features I liked, you know, like the silent shooting for wildlife and you can mm-hmm. tap to focus on the back screen. And they're all things that I really enjoy on my full frame Sony now. And I didn't even really understand how cool and unique that was at the time.
0: Right. Right. Uh, I went through the same exact process when I decided to jump on board. I didn't even look at DSLRs. Did yeah. I mean, I didn't even consider them. I, I still have my old film SLR. It's an Olympus OM one. And so it's the, the one I shot on in high school. So I still have that. And when I went to look at new cameras, the only options for me were Sony, the Sony mirrorless and the Olympus, uh, micro four thirds. And I ended up going with Sony, but it's always interesting to me to talk to people, talk to people who are DSLR shooters and, and they go, how, when did you switch over to mirrorless? I'm like, I never, I was never a DSLR shooter. So. Totally. And there's, I mean, I get it because
1: the single lens reflex has been the thing for cameras forever now. So, you know, the the SLR film shooters went to DSLRs. um, And there, there was for a long time and still continues to be a little bit of a knee jerk negative reaction to, mirrorless cameras, but I I don't know. I see that very much as like being mad at iPhones because you like your phone
0: tied to the wall still. And it's like, (laughs) you know, technology
1: moves.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, yeah, I'm, it's exactly the same for me. I, uh, and I find that those discussions, they never really go away. There's always, you know, there's always a conversation to be had about that stuff.
1: Of course. Totally. Just have to let the work speak for itself.
0: Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great transition. Speaking about work. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of the, the kind of the, maybe the hallmarks the things that I'm, that I am most interested in is finding out how you, how does this work for you? As some people, their photography is a career. Some people it's a hobby and they have a, uh, and they have a regular full-time job. That's, you know, nine to five sort of thing. Um, some people have yeah. families. Tell me about how photography fits into your life.
1: Um, Yeah. So it's kind of this thing that was instilled in me for a long time that uh, it was a lesson both my parents learned the hard way. And so they made sure that I could just learn it by listening to them rather than having to experience it. And it's the, you know, the old adage, don't uh, live where you work, work where you live kind of a thing where, you know, they like would get a a job they liked in a city they hated. And that makes Mm -hmm. your entire life less enjoyable. And so they, it took them a couple years, you know, like a decade of that before they realized I should live somewhere that i'm happy because i'm going mm-hmm. to work won't be such a suffer fest and um i think it's kind of a similar thing for me where like i said my my happiness comes from being outdoors and uh i genuinely enjoy taking photos and so i'm in this like very lucky niche i suppose where the photography fits into my life because it just like is my life like i i would be going out on a hike with my camera, no matter what. And so the fact that I am fortunate enough to be able to actually pay the bills with that is amazing. It's like the best thing that could have ever happened. Uh, there's like nothing else that I would rather do. And most of the time it doesn't even feel like I'm at work, which sure. is really, really cool.
0: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. The only part of it, I guess, where it feels like I'm juggling it in my life is when I have to like send pitch emails and do the the client <laughs> management side of things.
0: Business. The,
1: yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's a little bit of it that's a desk job. I can't argue with that. But even the editing, I like. You know, I've always had a little bit of an artistic side. So sitting at the computer, pushing around brushes in Lightroom doesn't even feel a lot like work, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's great. So at this point, your this photography, the the adventure photography stuff that you're doing, that is your full time job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's. I mean, I knew that already, but I. <laughs> it's always always <laughs> great to kind of get a feel for that. I think one of the things that people are always, you know, we see the title of, Hey, I'm a full-time photographer. And I think people have a, an idea about what that looks like. And you mentioned sure. a little bit about the business side of things, but how much of your time are you spending actively out shooting and how much of it is, is at home doing business stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say m- the majority of it is business. It's kind of hard, I guess, to like, say for sure so like last right. year 2019 i have to use 2019 as an example because this year is i'm going to pretend it didn't happen like five years from now there was no 2020 so anyhow right. um so for like 2019 i guess um i always have this bad habit of like the winter months being very very slow um and so january rolled around bank account wasn't looking great and i spent like all of january sending pitch emails and a lot of february too and uh, i'm i'm pretty driven person when i need to be and so you know not even just eight hours a day i was probably doing 60 or 70 hours a week of like researching companies coming up with project ideas sending emails and uh all of january and february was that you know i was like still going out and shooting for fun a little bit but i wasn't really working a ton except for uh, a single like two week long workshop i had in february but then once the momentum is going and that's the cool thing about pitching is that there's like a kind of an echo where you, you do the work and then a month or two later you get the projects. And so once let's say we got into like April and I was starting to do the field work, it was probably like, you know, 50% of the time in the field, 30% editing or whatever. And then, Mm -hmm. well, let's maybe combine that. Like, let's say like 70% was field and editing. And then the remaining 30 was emails. And then by the time we got into May, June, July, I, uh, those three months continuously, I was out, um, only working, didn't have time for any emails. Right. And then there was kind of the rebound on the far side of that when like August, September rolled around and I was like, oh, time to email again. So right. I'd say it's like a pretty even split. And that's one of my my goals moving forward is to not have that like slingshot effect where I uh, send a month worth of emails and then I'm out in the field for a month. I want to try and find a more consistent rhythm. And my goal was for 2020, but uh, I've spent a lot more time in front of the computer this year than I intended. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, and I think I have found that I've had a lot more emails bounce back because people don't work there anymore this year. Yes. Yeah. A lot of that's, if connections been your experience, but that's
1: absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the marketing connections I had are, uh, either furloughed or just gone entirely. It kind of feels like starting over, which is a little bit stressful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think, um, are you finding that this year, are you, are you taking any different kinds of work that you didn't in the past? Or are you pretty much sticking um, to
1: I'm sticking to what I uh, did. That's actually something that's always sort of been a philosophy of mine. And I know that it doesn't it's not always possible for everybody. But um, I I kind of like refuse to shoot weddings or like events and stuff. It just it doesn't interest me. That isn't sure. that isn't a photography style that I'm interested in. So I would almost rather go get a job as like a bartender. Um, sure. So I'm, I'm fortunate I had some savings banks from last year i qualified for the unemployment benefits and so i've been i've been fortunate to just not work when there isn't work this year and then yeah. reach out for projects that actually do fit my style I've, I've flexed that a little bit i've made some like sponsored posts on instagram that i maybe normally yeah. wouldn't but those aren't a ton of work and they, right. i don't feel like they necessarily like compromise my artistic integrity <laughs> quite as much sure. as if i you know started doing like engagement photo shoots down at Gasworks Park or something,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's <laughs> interesting to hear you say. It. So I I'm an ex banker. So I spent years as a in wealth management and um, mostly working with wealthier clients. So investments sure. and that sort of thing. So I kind of knew all the ways to finagle every all the aid stuff that came up. Nice. So I'm I'm a little bit in the same boat, but I'm also I found myself not as I generally have always said I don't shoot um, weddings, babies, or families. And yes. uh, last week I had a a headshot session where she also brought her two-year-old toddler and we did family. So we did a headshot and then we did a, her with her, you know, little family shot. And then I did a senior mm-hmm. portrait on Saturday, which I don't ever do. Oh, wow. But it was, it was kind of <laughs> one of those like beggars can't be choosers. And when the work is kind of slim, sometimes, sometimes I take it. It kind of depends.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah. then, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of. Yeah you know,
0: the direction you want to go with things. Exactly. Exactly. I, I would certainly love to to push, <laughs> to not be, uh, to have things not be so so slim pickings, but it's where we are right now. And so um, it's been interesting to build up kind of a new, you know, I've been shooting a bunch of real estate stuff as well, which I don't usually do, but it's easy and quick. And so I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. So yeah, it's what it is. So on, on your normal years, when, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, uh, Mm -hmm. sounds like you have a, maybe a little better, the numbers you've given me sounds like you're maybe spending a little more time shooting than a lot of professional photographers do. I think a lot of, a lot of folks would say it, it fits into more of that 80, 20, or like maybe even like 90, 10 rule where they're doing business development most of the time. And then the shooting is just a very small portion but it sounds like you're able to get out a little bit more often and have more of it be shooting.
1: Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's more of an error on my end. Maybe I'm underpricing (laughs) my field work so that I need to be in the field more. Uh, And maybe I'm not focusing enough on like, you know, building my, my visibility online. That's always something I feel like I struggle with is I just don't have the mental capacity to handle all these different social media platforms and Google ads. And should I promote on Etsy and Pinterest and yada, yada, but um, I'm, I'm happy with it, I guess if I'm underpaying myself in the field, but I get to spend more time hiking, then
0: I guess that's why I'm here anyways. Right. I think that's, that's great. I think that's a great philosophy. <laughs> um, I, I actually had a, um, I did an interview last week with, um, a guy named Steve Yokum. and yeah. S- Steve is a, you know, kind, kind of similar, you're kind of in a very similar niche, yeah, I'm a big um, fan of his work. Actually, he's he's a really and I met I met up with him and uh, Jordan, his girlfriend, and they are they're touring the U.S. with Backpacker Magazine. They have it. Oh, cool! They, he had his truck wrapped with the logo, and it's pretty cool. They're visiting all these outdoor retailers, and they they have a whole bunch of sponsored gear, and they're just filming content and taking pictures all around the country. But one thing he said that that I'm I'm hearing something similar in what you're telling me is that he's doing the work. And it's a, it's a lot more work and less business because he's pitched the, on the, for these companies to say, Hey, I'm going on an adventure anyway. Do you want in, you know, can can we bring your stuff with us? And this isn't, we're not going to go do some structured made up photo shoot, um, with models and all this stuff. We're actually taking this out. We're dirtbagging and we're going to bring your stuff with us. That's exactly
1: how I pitched too, actually. Yeah. That's kind of, I
0: was kind of hearing the subtext in there. Of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to backpack across gates of the Arctic national park. Only like a hundred people a year do that. Do you want photos of your tent out there? Cause you're not going to get them elsewhere. And then, right. I, you know, that's how it, it lines up pretty quickly. Usually. I
0: love it. Okay. So that, that's a great, I, I love that you mentioned that was that trip was last year. Is that, yeah. I remember right. Tell me about that because that I remember watching your posts. I don't know. You weren't posting while you were out there. You posted when you got back. Yes. Because of course there's no coverage out there. (laughs) No. But I would love to know, because I'm fumbling here, but when you got back, I was, it was like, holy shit. I just (laughs) looking at that. I I was like, that's a badass trip. And I, and I, um, I meant to reach out and and ask you more about it, but looked amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That park is really cool. John Krakauer uh, wrote an article about it. Uh, you know 10 15 years ago and he called it a black belt national park mm-hmm. and i i have to agree if if not even like maybe he was understating a little bit it's you know like i said i've always been drawn to these wild places and um there's kind of this thing in like the instagram culture where somebody takes a cool shot and then everyone takes the same shot which right. i'm 100 guilty of i love getting those like classic photos uh they're good to have in your portfolio but i I really like going somewhere that nobody else has been maybe it's like an ego thing like i'm cooler but um that was one of those parks where you know everybody goes to alaska and they like get a photo of a bear or they go to denali and uh this it's the least visited national park in the united states by a significant margin uh and it's also the second biggest Mm -hmm. and the most remote there's not a single road into the park or inside of it there's no established hiking trails no campsites nothing and that to me is like that's as sexy as it possibly gets (laughs) as far as like an adventure goes um and so i just kind of was dreaming about it and um you know that goofy phrase anything you dream about you can make happen and so that was it i just uh put the nose to the grindstone and and started pitching and you know because so few people go there that actually makes the pitch easier Mm because it's not you know it's like patagonia or iceland if you if you pitch a company like hey i'm going to iceland they're going to be like who cares Everyone goes to Iceland. We have so many Iceland photos. We'll give you $10 for a thousand photos because we we don't even want them. Uh, And so projects like that are cool because you're going somewhere they don't have photos for and they they couldn't almost even afford to send a team. And so it's really cool. I kind of see it as like uh, the photographer being the conglomerate sort of a thing. You know, like um, one company maybe couldn't afford to spend $15,000 to send a photography team there. But they might be able to spend five thousand dollars. So, like, I my goal, I guess, is to be that nexus, right? I come up with a cool project, and then I find three or four companies that will all spend a little bit of money. They mm-hmm. all get the some photos they want, and I'm able to get full project funding instead of them having to send a full photo team.
0: That's awesome. So, mm. that particular trick, trip, trip, d- 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 do you mind sharing? You know, kind of how you did. Did you have some sponsors on that trip?
1: Yeah. So. um The primary sponsor for that was Stanley. Um, You know, they make the coolers and the the thermoses and stuff here in Seattle. Um, And so, I just kind of approached them in general, like, "Just hey, I love your stuff. My dad has one of the thermoses he bought in like 1972, and we still use it." exactly yeah and so i sent them a photo of me when i was like three years old with that thermos and then a photo of me at age 30 with the same thermos and i was like (laughs) that's awesome you know i'm i'm not just like bsing you i love this thing obviously i know it's durable i would love to work with you and um i was very lucky i guess the social media manager at stanley her husband followed me on instagram and when she got that email he was like you hire that man (laughs) (laughs) which is great they're not always that easy so i went into the office we had a in-person meeting we chatted and she was picking my brain about. Stuff I had coming up and I was like, yeah, and I've I've been wanting to go to Alaska. There's this this place gates of the Arctic really hard to get to. And she's like, great, that's the one we want that. And (laughs) And and then you're like,
0: oh, crap, I have to carry Stanley stuff in there with me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> strong back in a weak mind i'll carry anything if it pays the bills you know i love it i love it <laughs> um but yeah it was funny because it was really just that was as far as the idea was developed i was like oh i want to go to this place and then i said it in a business meeting and they said yes and i was like oh now i have to actually plan this right so i gotta go there but that's yeah i mean that was cool though they uh they offered me enough money that the project was feasible right then which is really cool like they could have done it that could have been the whole project but i was like okay well let's to make this more exciting. And so I, I partnered up with Eddie Bauer a little mm-hmm. bit and then um, the outbound.com. I'm an editor there, which is really cool. So I get kind of free license for publishing and they have a sure. huge viewership, massive email list, which gives you the publishing credibility beyond my own Instagram. And so we partnered up with a couple other brands and uh, some tourism boards like Explore Fairbanks. Mm, um, yeah. And then we actually spent an entire month in Alaska. Um, we went to three different national parks, road tripped around the state. And the whole, the whole project as itself was kind of fun because there was like five or six different clients for various segments of the trip and everything was
0: kind of broken up, but yeah, that was how it all came to be. That's amazing. So when you go on a trip like that, where you are basically completely off the grid for at least a portion of it, tell me about how you deal with that from a technological standpoint, because we, we both, we both know that these camera batteries take a lot of juice. And then of mm-hmm. course you have cards that you're filling up and you're, I'm guessing you're shooting video, you're shooting stills. How do you, yeah. how do you balance all that stuff? How do you make it work?
1: Um, I, I just bring some extras. The cool thing about the Sony cameras is that you can charge them through, uh, the multi-port in the side. And so I bring like an anchor, they what is it mm-hmm. called? The power core or something like one of those external batteries. Yeah. Um, cause that can charge your camera 15 times. Okay. and it doesn't weigh the same amount as 15 individual Sony batteries. Right. Which is really cool, just because there's less packaging around the actual like energy storing part right. of it. Right. Um so so I do that I bring an external power source, I bring a bunch of extra cards because you definitely aren't going to want to be like sorting and deleting photos while you're out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um I've thought about like bringing a solar panel or something to charge, but I really think it would it's probably lighter weight to just bring an external battery. It only weighs maybe one pound for 20,000 milliamp hours, which is like, I don't know, 13 extra Sony yeah. batteries. So I've, I've
0: read that people kind of say like, Hey, the solar panel doesn't have a very good, uh, it's not very economical. or economic. It's not very efficient from a weight standpoint that yeah, you're better exactly. off just bringing an extra big battery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I wish it was, it would be really cool if you could like charge your batteries while you're walking in the sun, but I don't think the technology is there yet. It will be eventually, but, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I just bring a little extra, um, you know, battery power and then try to be smart about it. I, you know, I love time lapses and uh, usually if I'm like going out for just one day, I'll, I'll just like go hog wild on photos and videos, but you try to be a little more. Yeah restrained when you're in a place like that because if you if you fill a card on day five out of eight you're going to be you gonna be pretty sad if you don't have the ability to take any other photos
0: yeah yeah like what do i do so, now
1: yeah the biggest struggle for me i think is what gear to to take because um for me like i'm not going to bring my 16 to 35 24 to 70 70 to 200 and a 100 to 400 um you know if you have to carry it on your back across okay. mountains for that long so that's always my struggle and I don't really have a good answer for it, but I usually will end up bringing like just the 16 to 35 and the 70 to 200. Mm -hmm. And I can kind of crop between the, the 35 and the 70 if I need to close that gap. Sure. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. (laughs) So speaking of, uh, the gear there, I didn't mention it here at the beginning and you didn't either, but you have a relationship with Sony as well. Yes. I'm a, I'm a member of the
1: Sony alpha imaging collective, which is super fun. It's, uh, it's a group of some of the best photographers in the country. And I've, every time I meet the the crew and get to hang out with everybody, I'm honored that somehow I'm on that list. Yeah.
0: Well, it seems like that's been a, it seems like it's been a really good, a, a good partnership for you.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that's probably like the single best thing that's ever happened for my career. And uh, I, in retrospect, I mean, I knew it at the time, but in retrospect, I I wasn't qualified when they chose me. So maybe <laughs> they like dr- drafted based on potential. I, I kind of liken it to like, Getting drafted by the Yankees right out of high school, I definitely wasn't quite ready for the big leagues. Sure. But they they saw something in me and and pulled me onto the team, and it catapulted me to a different level for sure.
0: Sure. Well, that that's that's cool. I think um, I will say I think you were qualified. It, be, be, and and I say this because I think a lot of times, whether it be for you know any kind of artistic career, a lot of times you know there's that phrase of fake it till you make it, and mm-hmm that's kind of a, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, a little trite and it's a, you know, it gets overused, but in a lot of ways, nobody's ever really ready until mm-hmm. you, until you land in the middle of it and you kind of go, okay, I'll figure this out. And I, yeah I've had so many times in my career where I, somebody said, Hey, can you shoot this? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm, immediately <laughs> I jump on Google to figure out how to do it.
1: Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> like literally if, can i can we put a model in here and shoot it with this in the background and make this and you go eh, yeah i can make that happen and then you yeah. go home and you're like
1: oh i got get, some reading to do get the
0: lights out go outside experiment with <laughs> yeah yeah. Just you don't pull it off That's, my
1: uh my favorite addendum to that phrase is uh from brendan leonard who's one of my favorite authors and he has a book titled make it till you make it and it's yeah. all about developing a career in the arts and it's it's that he's like you're never really faking it because you are an artist even if you don't feel like you're qualified just make it keep creating yeah. make it until you make it
0: which no, I think I that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah create your art until people understand your art
0: yeah i was i can't remember who it was i was listening to it was probably a training thing or a podcast uh, but somebody basically said you you go out and you make the kind of stuff that you want to get hired to do and that's that's where you cut your teeth that's how you experiment that's how you Figure out how to do it, and if, if you can teach yourself how to do it, then when it, when it comes time for somebody to pay you money for it you'll you will have already done it
1: yes, so absolutely. you make you make
0: the art for yourself, and then hopefully somebody goes oh that's really cool and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, that becomes that can become your calling card
1: absolutely yeah, and that's the way to do it because if you if you create what you want to that's what people will recognize, and eventually people will pay you to create what you 've already been doing,
0: yeah exactly so that has been, so that trip you took up in Alaska were you solo on that one
1: uh no i was with my girlfriend Autumn, who uh is also a member of the Sony Alpha collective actually i don't think she was at the time last year but yeah. she obviously was still a very skilled photographer but yeah we went we went
0: together on that cool so you weren't out in the middle of nowhere by yourself yes which you, is <laughs> is very nice <laughs> you, you have somebody who can who can uh Hike to uh, get help if you're if a bear eats your leg or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we we did suck it up and buy uh you know a GPS right. with satellite messaging just in case emergency right, right.
0: beacon, as one does. <laughs> yes, nice. So what is do you find that you do a lot of your work with her, or do you guys kind of because I I I followed her as well and I followed mm-hmm. her her career and and she does create some really stunning imagery. Do yeah. you guys do a lot of work together? Do you kind of do your own projects separately or what, how do you, how do you juggle that?
1: It's a, it's a mix of both. We really like working together and we work well together, but you know, not every project has the budget for two photographers or the need, you know, some projects just don't need two, two shooters, but, right. um, we work together a lot and especially on things like, um, actually coming up soon, I have to take some photos of a sleeping bag for feathered friends okay um, and it's a women's sleeping bag so guess who's going to be modeling yeah yeah (laughs) Um, so we do a lot of stuff like that because we worked with them last year and uh, they needed photos of a men's jacket and so I'm wearing the jacket and she's shooting and so there's we do a lot of stuff like that which is really cool because it kind of puts us in this fun category where we have a male model and a female model and then two photographers so we're doing four people's work with two people and yeah yeah that kind of it's kind of a nice sales pitch to be able to deliver to a company, so we we work together on a lot of different stuff. Oh, that's when great. we're able.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I really like that. It's uh, the 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 power duo thing is uh, is um, definitely an advantage. And I have um, some good friends that live in Portland that are primarily commercial photographers. Where mm. uh, it's the same thing. She the um, they both are have kind of photojournalist background, and then they they both have shot quite a bit of different commercial work as well. And so when they come together, you go, holy cow. I mean, it's it's so good because yeah. uh, they have these different strengths. And a lot of times I'll look at an image, and um, Nash Co. is the company name. Mm. And it's Leah Nash and Chris Onstott, Christopher Onstott. Oh, okay. And they are, when you get them together, it's crazy because he is goes nuts over all the gear and the lighting and drones and all that stuff. And then Leah spent a ton of time as a photojournalist and her photojournalism journal- work is insanely good. And yeah. so you put them together and they do this light crafted lifestyle stuff. That's just, it, it's kind of mind blowing. I love and, that.
1: Yeah. You have to play off each other's strengths and, and yeah. sort of support each other's weaknesses. And, but that's, yeah, that's cool. I would never claim to be a perfect photographer and I, I love having somebody else there to kind of fill in those gaps and yeah. catch what I missed.
0: So do you, I don't know, do you, do you find that you guys are, have different strengths where you're one of you is better at, at one thing or. That, that yeah, sort of thing? A-
1: absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of like a, a hurricane. I just like have <laughs> unlimited energy and I'm like ready to get it done at all times, which comes at the expense of attention to detail, et cetera. Um, She is like pretty introverted and like very meticulous and focused, which is Mm -hmm. it's like the perfect compliment. So I'll I'll get things set up and I'm like, yeah, let's go, we're doing it. And she's like, hold on, did you notice that there's like a empty Starbucks cup lying right there? And I'm like, (laughs) ah, you're right, great, we should pick that up because that would be a huge pain in the butt to Photoshop out later.
0: (laughs) Yes, you're very Um, lucky to have somebody that who pays attention to that stuff because
1: I really am. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm solo most of the time, and every once in a while I'll get home and I go, oh come on.
1: I know. Or even just like super small things, like a little piece of hair blown into the right. eye
0: or like, um,
1: you know, a branch intersecting somebody's head in the background and you're, it's things that I like learned the hard way and then never actually learned where I'd like take a photo and I get home and be like, man, I wish I'd pay attention to that. And it just, uh, <laughs> it's very nice to have somebody there to pay attention to that stuff.
0: see people, whenever anybody asks me how I learned anything in Photoshop, I always tell them it's from cleaning up my own mistakes. Yes, absolutely. That's literally where I've learned probably eighty percent of my Photoshop skills. It's like, well, I had to learn how to clone and do odd, crazy selections because I left a you know, there's because there's a dirty you know, whatever in the corner that Mm -hmm. I I forgot to move. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and learned a little bit about the like the fake it till you make it you were saying too. And somebody's mm-hmm. like, "Can you do that thing?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, I can Photoshop all of those power lines out." And then you get home and you're like, "Oh no, I
0: can't. This is awful." <laughs> you're, like, you're like, "That's a hell of a gradient. How am I going to deal with that?" Yeah, I never should have promised this. Yeah, now that's that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's <laughs> that's cool that to, to be able to have uh, you know backup somebody who can you know, kind of have some attention to detail when you don't. And, and I'm sure there's other things that, that you share with her that makes her work better as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm super fortunate. She actually has a college degree in photography. That was nice. her, like her field of study was fine art photography, doing film, uh, and then worked as a graphic designer for several years. So she, yeah, really good at the editing side and the like concepting side. And then I'm, uh, I'm really good at like, writing business emails and coming up with absolutely crazy ideas that nobody else wants to do, <laughs> like Backpack
0: Across Alaska. Yeah. Well, and also writing witty captions for everything. Yeah. yeah. Which, for better or worse, <laughs> that's not really a choice. I just can't turn it off. <laughs> well, I, I, it's pretty rare that you post something that I'm not cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's the working. It's working. Instagram has too many like uh,
1: overly inspirational, like find yourself, be true to the world kind of stuff. I felt like I had to break it up a little
0: bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can't remember who it was, but there was there's like an old school film photographer um, guy based out of California, and his captions are completely dry. Like he tells you exactly what you're seeing. There's nothing about how cool it is or why it's cool. Oh. It's just you know. Um, it's almost like Ansel Adams kind of had the, he had those titles that were like these really um, kind of clinical almost.
1: Yeah, and so totally.
0: Uh, and I have to, if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. But this this guy, it's every single one of his. It's you know, uh, cast light cascading over so and so at three p.m. on this date with you know, <laughs> just, yeah, totally. with this river in the background. It
1: almost looks like the alt text for like the vision exactly. impaired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> alt text.
0: Yeah. I've I've I took I took a stab at like doing alt text for all the photos on my website a couple of years ago. It's brutal. I gave up like I don't know I gave up after two hours I think. It's just like nope can't totally. Up.
1: It's also very intimidating because I don't know if I fully understand exactly what I should be doing still as far as like SEO goes. So you get yeah. in there and you're like brown bear in the water <laughs> looking for fish with tree behind it. And you're like, is this
0: worth my effort? Is this helping anybody? I don't really get it. Right. No, that's exactly it. You, you uh, SEO is one of those weird, you know, kind of black box sort of things that people, people will hire. You can hire people to do that for you because it's always changing and it's a little bit weird and vague. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's what it comes down to
1: yeah absolutely i was lucky enough to get to sit in on a a conversation with brian smith who's a sony artisan Mm -hmm. talking about seo and his his seo is perfect i mean you google basically anything related to cameras he's going to be on the front page um and it turns out that yeah it's just an obnoxious amount of effort and he has like a team of people doing it and he's brilliantly good at it but i think part of why he's so good at it is because he can afford to not do all of the meticulous data entry himself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, I find that every time I'm looking for something in the Sony menus, he, he always pops up when I go to look for, you know, yep. how do I change the, you know, and I can't even think about what it is, but I think the first time I got a camera that allowed me to set the minimum and a maximum ISO, like that's the kind of question you go, how do I set maximum ISO on a Sony a seven R three? And he's the first result.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. He has just a plethora of articles, like just stuff. Everything's on his website, and it's all perfectly categorized, and Google knows where every single page is.
0: Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. Well, and he's also got the, the comments section are expansive in almost every post of his, and yeah. he's in there answering everybody. Yeah. Sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty impressive. So you mentioned... This love of the outdoors. You We've talk, mm-hmm. talked about these this crazy backpacking trip that you that you went on this last year, and the brand partnerships that you did for that. I'm curious about what what photography does for you, and you know, kind of, I think people there's there's art, right? There's there's an art part of it. There's a commerce part of of, of this for you because you're you know because it's a career. Sure. Where does that fit in? For you, in, in terms of your emotions and your personal development? You know, if, if you just had to, no, no more photography, just tomorrow it's over, like what, okay. what, get, what hole would be left? What is it like, doing? What is it doing for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that would have to be like cameras cease to exist in this yeah. universe. Cause even if I like was no longer employed as a photographer, I would still go out and take photos. So we'll have to yeah. just pretend like cameras don't exist. Cameras now. don't exist. Um, there
0: we go. That's a good that, hypothetical.
1: Yeah, that would be, that would be kind of tough, I guess. Cause for me, it's like part of the living in the moment and then reliving that that's like part of my memory of an amazing experience, right? Like when I'm up on a mountaintop watching sunset, for example, the camera is like actually part of how and why I enjoy that experience. And, you know, a lot of people are like, put your camera down and live in the moment. And for me, it's, it's almost the opposite, you know? And, uh, I feel like I see that every time I go out because you'll go to like, let's say tunnel view in Yosemite. I'll get there an hour, hour and a half before sunset. And I'll set my camera up. And as the light changes, I'm watching that shadow move down the Valley and move up the, the giant granite face of El Cap and then over to half dome. And I'm watching the sky turn into those purples and pinks and I'll, I'll take some wide photos and i'll put on my 7200 and i'll take some really tight photos of the waterfall and some close-ups of the climbers on el cap and then i'll watch the way that like the mist settles down on the trees below in the valley and then all of a sudden it's two hours after sunset right. and the stars come out and i've been there for three hours looking at every square inch and i feel like i could go home and paint that valley from memory because i didn't just look at it i like dissected it and absorbed it um, and in that time where I'm standing there, 2,000 people will park, walk to the edge for five minutes, snap an iPhone photo and then leave. Um, so for me, I guess that's like, that's what it does is yeah. it is part of how I like digest something as magnificent as watching a sunset in Yosemite. It's not something that I feel like our tiny human brains can just take in instantaneously. It's sure. so grand and there's so many tiny details working together that we don't fully you know, appreciate, I guess, instantaneously. And so for me, photography is a way to like slow myself down. And like I said, I'm a hurricane. So it like, (laughs) it it slows me down and like causes me to really get absorbed. So I'm not really sure, I guess, if if cameras cease to exist. I would like to think I would still go out there and stare at things like that, but maybe I wouldn't have the opportunity to zoom way in and then relive that experience later.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually... uh that's a great answer. Um, I didn't even know what I was asking necessarily, but that's, <laughs> it, it spurred you in a certain direction. It sounds like that photography causes you, to, you mentioned slowing down, but it sounds like it also increases the way you perceive what you're seeing.
1: Yeah, it's very meditative for yeah. me. Um, it It like segments reality in a bit. So it's like when you're, you know, in, in, Mount Rainier and you're standing there and there's like this massive valley to your right, but in front of you is this enormous glaciated peak. That's a lot to take in, but, um, forcing that universe into a 35 millimeter rectangle, it, it like requires you to, to dissect it and focus on certain parts yeah. and understand how those parts interact both visually, but also, you know, spiritually, emotionally, like how does it make you feel? as you're taking a photo, you kind of understand why you want to photograph that thing. Right. And it's beyond just like, Ooh, it looked pretty. You know, there's always like something there. It's like, wow, I love the way the tendril of fog curls over that ridge or whatever. And right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, lately you've been, I feel like you've been doing a lot more time-lapse work. Yeah. And and that feels like it kind of, it's kind of bridging the gap between the, the, the still image and then the experience of being there, watching it happen, and it's not—it's yeah. not really video; it's not really stills. It kind of totally. has—it kind of captures that that lap. And it's obviously it's called time lapse. It captures that <laughs> lapse of time that totally. you can get to experience when you sit out there for three or four hours or longer.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny because time lapse was like one of the first subsets of photography that I was drawn to when I bought my first oh, yeah. camera. Um, I don't know why it was like I, I bought my camera, I took some still photos, and I was immediately fascinated by time lapses. But I never really focused on them until I don't know, maybe it was just like all of the forced free time uh, that I found myself with this year. Sure. But I, I really started focusing on them more and it's been really enjoyable.
0: You're like, I can't do anything else. I'll go be by myself. Yeah. out In the middle of nowhere and, <laughs> and leave my camera running. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: What's interesting. Cause I, I have only done just a, just a smidge of, of, of time-lapse. Um, and i 've kind of experimented here and there, but uh, there are I think maybe the reason i haven 't done it more is because there's i 've watched so many people do it so well that that I kind of go i don 't know that i 'm ready to dive in quite that deep um, <laughs> what it, <laughs> What has it been like for you to to get started on that in terms of just thinking of technical considerations because it 's not just as easy as just hey, just go put your camera on a tripod and turn it on all night
1: yeah, yeah, i mean it 's kind of like regular photography in that Um, there's a lot of still photographers that are doing it way better than me also. So like you were saying, you know, you might as well jump in, figure it out as you go, but, um, it, it definitely, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like from the technical considerations that, you know, lessons I've learned the hard way, like has to be manual focus or every frame is focused a little bit differently. If your camera has to re-crap, re-grab focus, every single photo ruins it. Right. Like auto white balance, what interval do you use? And so that's another, I guess, Instance of living in the moment. You have to figure out how fast are things changing. What interval do I want for it? Um, I have kicked the tripod halfway through on accident. <laughs> right, like probably thirty to forty percent of them uh, yeah. <laughs> moving yeah. around too much. Um, Been there.
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's. Silly. I had a battery um, run out in the middle of w- one of my most recent ones, and I, I yep. realized I was like, oh no! And yeah. I grabbed the camera off, swapped the battery, put it back on, but I inadvertently the tripod was just slightly off. Yeah, when I put, exactly. when I started it again,
1: the one I posted uh, last week was a kind of a vision I've had in my mind for a long time. The one uh, from sunset all the way through sunrise doing two full transitions. And uh, I, I nudged my tripod at about one in the morning and I was so <sighs> upset. And I I did some like very intensive editing and I think I got them looking pretty close. It's like kind of tough to tell. <laughs> yeah, nobody commented on it. I know I can still see where it happened, but I. I recovered it for the most part, I guess. So
0: so I'm um, just technical stuff. Did you did you just shift everything and crop in? So that was my
1: original plan, but it I only hit one of the three tripod legs and so it moved to the left, but it also kind of rotated. So Paralax. I had to use exactly so I had to use a little bit of the uh I forget what exactly what it's called in Lightroom, but there's like that warp distort yeah. pane where you can like sort of rotate the image. Yeah, like,
0: uh, like vertical, horizontal. And exactly. A, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so I, I used a little bit of that plus some crop, obviously. Yeah. And uh, it, it took me a little while and I actually had to edit it several times because I wasn't sure exactly how the program that I edit them would handle that. And so the first time I did the crop and realignment first. Yeah. And then when I started doing color adjustments, it like had a weird skip where it, sure. it thought that the crop was one of my color adjustments. And so I tried <laughs> to gradually apply it to every image. And so it. Oh, yeah. And so I had to like start over. It took me, that's part of, it took me like 20 something hours to edit it because I had to do it several
0: times. I, I saw you mention that it was many, many hours. So mm-hmm. do you, when you put those time lapses together or what do you, what program are you using for that?
1: I use LR time-lapse.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I was just, um I have another, a different podcast that I'm on with a group of guys and we were just talking about getting into time lapse and one of the people was mentioning um that there's a you can use davinci resolve has has a way to do it and yep. i've always put mine together in photoshop so oh, okay I, so i've been kind of i'm always curious what other people are using cool
1: yeah I've, I've done some photoshop ones too um it doesn't at least my photoshop skills aren't great but I've, i feel like it doesn't quite do the transitions as smoothly it's a little sure. bit more difficult if uh you know you go through a sunset and it starts kind of uh golden and then it finishes blue and you want to ramp your color temperature it's a little more difficult in photoshop yeah to my limited knowledge
0: you have to kind of have it right in lightroom when you export the photos because yeah. you because you can't really do much in photoshop because photoshop wants you it doesn't do well with making adjustments to individual images because they're all part of a group yeah and
1: that's so. part of uh, part of what i like about lr time lapse is that if i Um, You know, if I have 5,000 Kelvin on my starting image and then I want to ramp it up to 8,000 Kelvin on my last one, it does those calculations and applies those edits to me in Lightroom or for me in Lightroom. So, you know, it'll be like 5,002.6 on the next one and 5,005.2 or whatever on the next one. And so it like slowly ramps across all 600 images for you, which is pretty cool. But Hmm. I've been meaning to look into DaVinci Resolve. I've heard that that is potentially the easiest one.
0: Yeah, it's um, I think somebody, uh, Drew Garachi, I think is his name.
1: Yeah, Garaci.
0: Yeah, yeah, Garaci. So he um talked about it quite a bit at the the Sony uh, Condo Everywhere yeah event. I actually missed the session, but my friend Ben Murphy was on there, and he came back and was going nuts. He's like, "Oh, I have to go buy a slider, and I have to learn DaVinci Resolve, and yeah." Dang, kinda... he
1: didn't want to buy a slider from watching my time lapses. <laughs> ben, come on.
0: So, um, and is that look something, wait,
1: look, I got a slider right here. It's you have it set right there right now. Look so which
0: that. one, which one do you have there?
1: That's the, uh, the Rhino arc Two.
0: Okay. That's the one that Ben has got his heart set on. So
1: I'll have uh, to text him a photo of that.
0: And, and Ben is a mutual friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben and I have this other podcast where it's basically a bunch of dudes sitting around talking about photography, yeah, more of nice. a round table. And it's crazy. Cause he, um, we basically just said, hey, don't let us talk you out of that. Just buy it.
1: But... Yeah, that's the right move. <laughs> Tell I him I'm never... personally offended that none of my time lapses inspired him, <laughs> but Drew's did.
0: Well, I'll, I'll mention it. I'll mention okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, that's cool. So definitely using a slider. That's, I was going to ask you that. Um, I, it, I would have guessed it from the, from the time lapse, but um, people use all kinds of gear behind the scenes that you never know. Yeah, I
1: actually just got the slider in May. So prior to that, any motion you saw was crop motion. I would export like a 6K time-lapse and I would crop into 4K and either mean, like slide in or out or left or right.
0: You mean it wasn't you just walking really slowly across the landscape? <laughs> that is
1: uh, – I actually have done some time-lapses like that on assignment. Um, more like hyperlapses. Like you yeah, put yeah. it on a gimbal and you had yeah. half an hour to get to the end of the city block and you just try to go really slowly and steadily. yeah. You're like, so, don't bump me. Get out of my way.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nerve wracking. <laughs> I've, I've done a little bit of that, the hyperlapse stuff, but never with a real camera, just like with the phone. Um, oh yeah. Especially like at events. I don't do a lot of event photography, but um if you're at an event where there's lots of stuff going on, it's, it can be a really cool tool. You stick it up on a tripod and hold it way up in the air and it works. Yeah, totally. I, well, cool. I like doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, we're kind of approaching the end of the hour and I wanted to, you know, a couple different things before we, before we uh, end the first one is I would love to know um, if you're comfortable sharing, like just what kind of stuff you have coming up. What's what's coming next this year during this weird year. Do you, do you have anything, anything fun to share?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next month is the, maybe the single biggest project uh, of my life. Like I said, I love to come up with these like crazy Hairbrained ideas and then when i'm bored i'll make them a reality i guess and so <laughs> nice. i um i i was speaking at sony condo last year i was having a having a drink with matt parnell who's who's like the i don't know exactly what his job title is but he's above my pay grade at sony and <laughs> right. uh we were talking about photographing the aurora and i kind of chuckled and i was like how cool would it be to photograph the aurora in the aurora And then I like dropped my beer on the ground and just stared at the sky for 20 minutes thinking about it. And so that's what I'm going to do. I've actually spent the last year uh, brainstorming how to bring that dream to life and how to make that a reality. So next month I am heading to the Arctic of Alaska uh, in partnership with Sony. And we are launching a Sony A7S III to the edge of space to hopefully become the first person ever to uh get cinema quality footage of the aurora borealis from inside the aurora borealis wow that is so
0: that's pretty epic and i don't yeah, use that word i don't use that word lightly that's one of those uh that sounds crazy though thanks
1: yeah i mean if if it succeeds it will be a career defining moment for me but there's also a very good likelihood that i drop an a7s3 100 <laughs> miles vertically into the ocean
0: so We'll see. There's some gambles. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing quite like uh, putting it out there. This is like uh, calling the pocket, you know, calling the uh, where you're going to shoot yeah. the uh, the eight ball.
1: Yeah, t- totally. It's been kind of a fun project to pitch too, because there's no guarantees. And in, if anything, there's more of a likelihood that it doesn't succeed the first try than it does. So it's always funny going to sponsors. Like, if you just give me $10,000, I might give you something back. <laughs> Great deal. Right. I love it. I love it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, so here's what I'm curious about. Um, You're going to fly it up there on what?
1: Uh, A weather balloon.
0: On a weather balloon. So kind of a,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like a, a high atmospheric um, sounding balloon like they do for for research. And so I've, I've been speaking with some of the lead scientists at the geophysical Institute at the university of Alaska at Fairbanks Mm -hmm. um, talk, doing some atmospheric modeling with them. They pulled, a bunch of uh, NASA atmospheric models from the past couple of years, um, striated up through the vertical distance that we're going to be covering. Um, it's seasonally dependent and everything. Right. Um, I spoke with the Poker Flats Rocket Research Range. I spoke with their range manager about you know launch regulations and what they expect because they they launch uh, rockets into the aurora to do not imaging but they do research with with right. instruments instrumentation like spectral. We require imaging, a sort little bit stuff. more yeah exactly we require a little more stability than that they're looking for data and we're looking for like video and that has different requirements <laughs> otherwise like, i don't go too fast <laughs> yeah totally the rocket would have been cool but i don't think we would have gotten the footage we want it would have just you know been like Wah! so yeah, exactly. um yeah and i mean like it's been the only thing in my life i have a drawing right next to me of it's like literally the only thing i've been doing which is it's been cool but i'm excited to get it off the ground so to speak yeah.
0: No, that's very cool. And now have you had a chance to shoot with one of those cameras already? I haven't actually, I'm pretty
1: bummed, but, um, well, I'm not, I'm not bummed. I bought one. I'm going to own one for sure, but I, I wish I'd seen one. It looks really cool. It's the camera we've all been dreaming about for the last like two years, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one where I, I definitely, I don't have a, my, my career, what I do for work is a little different, so I don't have a real good use case for it. Um, Mine's mostly portraits and in good, you know, fairly good lighting. So it's like, I really would love to have one for all of the nice guy stuff, but I don't really get paid much for that, (laughs) for that kind of work. That's fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you don't do any, any video or like super low light stuff, it's maybe not the one for you. It's a niche camera, but, um, for this, it's, it's perfect. They're very excited because it's perfectly in the wheelhouse.
0: Oh, I love it. I think I've, I've watched some of the videos like the, um, the one that was uh, Renan Ozt- Ozturk and yeah, I'm Moonwalk, a, and, I, and I'm pulling a blank. Who who is his partner that he was shooting with? Uh, Taylor, Taylor. Yes, Taylor Free Solo. Yes. Um, that video, I was I actually started watching it during the middle of someone else's talk during uh, condo, and I I was sitting there with my mouth open the whole time, going, "It's yeah, like this just feels like you're watching the future. Feels like you're watching something that shouldn't be possible."
1: Yeah, it's incredible. So that's a that's a Sony Alpha film. That's like a new branch of media that they're launching. And our film is going to be in that same catalog. So it sets the bar really high. I'm kind of nervous about that. (laughs) Renan Renan is very much one of the photographers. It's like a primary inspiration for me. Yeah. So the fact that I'm now supposed to literally follow in his footsteps with a follow up sequence is overwhelming but i'm excited to try and live up to the challenge yeah (laughs) Yeah, thank you (laughs) yeah i I think it
0: sounds amazing and i'm i it'll be it'll be really cool to um to hear to see how it does but also i would love to when when you get that thing ready and you launch it let's let's have you back on yeah let's talk talk about it again um i'm sure there'll be a lot of you'll have some good stories to tell
1: yeah, hopefully I'll be talking about uh, how cool the footage looks and not how many cameras I destroyed, but we'll we'll talk about it either way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you come back, you can tell us how many <laughs> they sent you with, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the awkward part, actually, is, you know, they were like, we can give you an A7S three, and I was like, maybe more than one, just in case? <laughs> Which is not the the response they want, but... You just tell them they're realistic about it. Yeah. To say,
0: Hey, you guys are, you guys are cool. This is a rounding error for you. You know, (laughs) I'm sure that would go over really well. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No. Well, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. Um, okay, cool. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I'd love to let you get back to, you got a lot to plan. You got, you got a, a weather balloon and, um, launching a camera up into nearly space. So we, we don't want to keep you on the, on, on the call too long. Would you, um, I guess, first of all, and I, this is a total surprise because I didn't ask you, is there anybody that you think would be a great fit for me to interview in a similar way?
1: Oh, that's a good call. Um, I guess I need to look back through your catalog at who you've already interviewed.
0: It's not for anybody, I would recommend
1: so. um, my friend Brian Connolly, actually. Okay. He is one of the people who got me into photography initially. He's a good friend of mine from the bluegrass world we grew up like playing music together he's just an amazing musician but an amazing human as well and he's landscapes wildlife outdoor photographer but he lives in in des moines iowa and so he has a very cool style about him where he does landscape photography in in not super appealing landscape and i'm constantly impressed by how he's able to like artistically interpret what's around him
0: very cool very cool yeah well, definitely, if you can put me in touch with him, that'd be fantastic. And
1: yeah, we'll see, if we, can,
0: see if we can schedule something.
1: I might make one other recommendation if you yeah. want to. Uh, my friend Josh Metten also, he lives in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he, he works as a, a naturalist and a wildlife biologist, but Ooh. is also a very passionate photographer. And so the it's a cool intersection. He's who I teach my Yellowstone workshop with. Oh, cool. But yeah. It's a cool intersection of somebody who's like a passionate conservationist and uses his photography to further that objective.
0: Oh, I love that. That's great. Well, and that's one of the things that's been interesting is that I think a lot of, you know, I don't know if you're a podcast fan, but I, I listen to a ton of different podcasts and one of my goals with this was to have it be a little bit broader than, than what I hear on other podcasts. Not that they're doing anything wrong, but a lot of them are, it's, Hey, it's only landscape photographers or it's only mm-hmm. fashion or it's only commercial. And I, um, my interests kind of intersect a lot of those. And yeah. So you know, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the the catalog and it's, I've got, I've got landscape people. I've got folks that are, have real full-time jobs and just are out kind of goofing off on the weekends. I have the, in, I had the in-house photographer for Taylor guitars on, on my third episode, sweet, which was really cool. And, um, yeah, and I'm also a guitar guy. So it kind of, became one of, I was like well that sounds like a dream job <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but um no that's great well I, thanks for the suggestions Absolutely. so if people want to follow along and kind of see what you're up to what would be the best place for them to look you up
1: um instagram is probably my most consistent posting uh and I'm I'm Nate in the wild everywhere on the internet so if you just search Nate in the wild you'll find something but my instagram and my facebook are updated fairly regularly but I try to keep up with with Twitter and YouTube a
0: little bit as well. Yeah, cool. And then you also are—you've got workshops that you're doing. Um, yeah. You, like I mentioned, you just got back from one uh, this weekend. What What do you have coming up, and what do you have openings for?
1: Yeah. So the next one coming up is uh, Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park with my friend Josh, who's the naturalist. Um, we are closing in on sold out for that one so if anyone okay. wants to come I would hurry um yeah. but that one's amazing it's in the fall October 2nd through 10th just absolutely beautiful last year we saw uh every ungulate so bighorn sheep mountain goats moose elk deer bison nice. etc we saw wolves we saw bears we saw coyotes it was fantastic yeah. uh, and then after that I do a, a northern lights photography workshop in Norway in oh, wow. February
0: fantastic and then i i I was just i'm actually on i have the page the workshops page for your website and i was like there's a picture of a fox on here there's pictures of birds there's milky way peru all kinds of stuff coming up next year so
1: yep yep next year hopefully we'll be able to get back in the swing of things had a lot of canceled stuff this year but we're we're hoping
0: (laughs) i guess us americans don't get to go anywhere right now yeah They they got us locked down
1: I'm hoping we can get that figured out before the Norway workshop because I would really like to leave this country again sometime.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that project shapes up for you and um, best of luck at uh, achieving something like that. That's pretty crazy. Cool, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been fun. Yeah, agreed, thanks. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe Share it with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the Podcatcher of Your Choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, go take pictures.